This is probably very close to the 60 I will play going into Utah. Yo, what up guys? Welcome to Faded Town, number one Pokemon podcast in the world. You already know this. I ain't gotta say it, even though I say it every week. Um, but if you don't know, I don't know where you've been. I know we've been away, but we always come back. Don't worry, guys. Um, but yeah, we're number one Pokemon podcast. We'll give you all the great info you need. Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, one, earlier in the week, I'm gonna be solo dolo talking um, how I'm testing, what I'm doing to get my invite, um, steps for more of a grindy player. Someone that's not going to go to every regional. Someone that's going to grind their way into an invite. So, yeah. I'll give you my kind of insight on that. On Thursdays, every week, we're going to do a Pokemon breakdown with some of the top players in the world. Raul, Xander, Bennett Kennett, uh, John Ang, whoever. I mean, anyone. You can never know, man. Never know who's going to show up on that. So, uh, But mostly, Raul will probably be there almost all the time. So tune in for that if you haven't already subscribe down below so you don't miss anything leave a comment like that stuff always helps i answer all the comments i appreciate all the likes um but yeah thanks for coming guys this is great we're here to talk about we got salt lake city i don't know at the end of the week this this saturday um Last week we talked about how the next two weeks of watching the meta develop it was very is very important and it has been. These online tournaments have been crazy. You see little rips of, of stuff that's going on. Um and I'm kinda wanna just talk about where I'm going, what I'm playing, how I've been testing. And and just show you kind of the steps I've been taking. So going into Peoria, um, I was testing Zorak, and I felt Zorak was very good. Um, I feel like it it's very fast. It's fun. It also has like really some of like the coolest Pokemon. Oh, well, some of my favorite Pokemon. And thing and the deck's good. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to test this, see how it is. I felt it was doing pretty well in my testing. And then I, but again, we're going to see how Peoria goes. And with Peoria ending, there was a handful of, of Zork in day two. So with that happening and looking at what won, um, stuff, I still decided that. Zork was good enough to keep testing and committing to. So, I kind of want to show you guys, like, how how my testing's been going. So, right here are just, the, these are Zork lists that I've taken off Lemon List, and then I have my own list that I've been working on. So, there was one that made top eight. So this is kind of how I, I do it. We're going to... I started out with my own list, obviously, going into um, 
Peoria. And then we get a lot of information from Peoria. We get what what won, what what are the top decks in the meta that are doing that are in the top eight and doing very well. Um, and then you get list of decks that you are playing. Um, so I have uh, four decks that were in the top, I think, 64 that are all Zork lists, and they're all kind of different. They're all kind of different, which is kind of cool because Zork gives you a lot of um, freedom to kind of build around. So going into Peoria, I was playing a lot of... I, I was playing for Barrel. I had the beavers in my list. I was drawing cards. That way I felt it was really good. I was also playing um Bennett, which was like um, be a seeker, get your card back stuff. Um, but what we found out after Peoria is how good um, Lost Box was and how good um, Sableye was just doing the 120, so these, these low HP Pokemon were just getting eaten by them. So, if we look at, um, we'll start with the top 8 list. This this list right here, got top 8. Um, and, and if we look at it, it doesn't play any of the Barbaral engine. It doesn't have any, like, it's, it's very niche. Um, these, like, Dunsparce. You're only putting it down versus fighting Pokemon. Um, this is really good in, like, the mirror. This is good against three prizers. Um, these are good when you need them, you know. Bench damage, you know. So these aren't, like, bench sitters that will sit on your bench that suck up damage. That can be easily KO'd by a 120 spread attack, you know. Um... We see the draw engine is Crobat and Zorak. And uh, we got four research. So, seeing that this does so well, you know. It also played Paracels, which stop that bench damage. Um, or stop the, the effects of attacks on all your Pokemon. Which, say why... Stop Sableye, stops Garatina's GX Tech. Or, or V, V Star Tech. So, uh, there was a lot of information to take in here, you know? Like, okay. If we look at what won, which was Towards List, um, and we watch that, and it does consistently attacking with Sableye doing that, or, or Cramorant doing the 120 and stuff. You can't have the bear barrels. You can't have the bonnet. You have the this build is just more optimal to deal with that because it takes um, two attacks to kill this. You know, it takes multiple attacks, to, almost three, three attacks to kill this if they don't play Snorlax. Um, so you want to fill your bench with these and. Um, make plays with Sharon's care 
um, picking these Pokemon up. So getting them to attack into that stuff. So that's what this deck. What looking at this deck, looking at what one the biggest threat on the field is definitely Lost Box. You know, you're like, okay. How do we deal with it? How this deck deals with it very well. Um, what I found is the Parasols aren't very good because, um, or what I what I've come to believe is the Parasols weren't going to be very good anymore because of Towardsless playing three Vacuum, which gets rid of their tool. Um, kind of making them very obsolete in this in that type of matchup. So it's like okay. I have some more ideas, so we're going to switch up the list a little bit. We'll test some more, you know. So we switch it up. We get a list similar to this, you know. And then it's worth looking at other stuff. Um, the 10th place list was this weird Mew list, which to this day, um, I know it got 10th. I understand it got 10th. It, it did very well at the tournament. I just don't understand this, and I don't understand this like what are we grabbing off of this that is like game changing you know it can only get it can only get items so you can't you can't grab you can't grab um your supporters you can't grab your pokemon so like you're grabbing a damage pump. You can't grab a state. You can't even grab a stadium. Um, you're getting your tool off of it, and you're getting ultra balls and level balls. But I guess you can set up. It helps you set up quicker. But if you don't have a stadium, like all that doesn't really matter. And then you're committing four spots to a, a net, and these have sixty HP. Like, with no defense versus Lost Box. So, like, I've looked at this list and I just decided there's, it can't be good going forward. The Lost Box is going to be popular. It's going to be good. And you can't have 60 HP Mews on your bench. That's just giving up two prizes. So, really kind of just weighed this one out. That's like, um, I understand it did good. I'd... I personally just don't know how it did so well. Obviously, whoever built this and is, it, uh, played it, um, they played it very well, and they they brought it to a 10th place finish, which was great. Um, but I think just going forward, it's not going to be the optimal play. Um, so I kind of just waved this one off. But you you have to look at stuff like this when you when you go into testing. You know, this thing got 10th. It did something well, so it's worth looking to, testing it, seeing how's it going. Um, and then we had Aaron Tar Tarbell's list, which was the double employee list. With the water energy. Um, I've, I've been such an anti-employee um, for so long. And I just, looking at how the meta developed and, and towards list winning and um, the Reggie's lists, like, though this that's what these really thrive on is trying to stop the flower gift 
and do stop stop Reggie from setting up. Um, but now they're playing for Path of the Peak. And for Path of the Peak, just turn this off and they do whatever they want. And it just, the card just doesn't seem good. Um, so, as much as this looks good, or did well, somewhat, um, I think the meta shifted to the employee on just not being that great. Um, but I'll come back to talking about the employee on later, because it, it does pop back up as, like, a potential option. Um, but at, at the beginning of my looking at these decks, I just seeing how the meta developed with the, all the Path of the Peak, um, and the escape ropes and all these ways to get around. People were ready for the Empoleon. So making it not very optimal. Um, but we also, we also see this pretty standard list. Um, most of the list, like the item cards are pretty much the same all around. This one didn't utilize any, um, Churn's Care, it depends on this to win that matchup. Which I think, it, at that tournament, it could've. Like, it could've. But I think going forward, um, with Towards List having four Path of the Peak and people seeing how effective that was, um, it just wasn't going to be good. And then I want to look at this list. Jimmy Miller's list. Got 54th. This is the one I like the most. So, this is Jim Miller, so he got 54th. And I looked at this list, and I was kind of comparing it to my own list, where I was playing the Bennett, which was like a VS Seeker. Um, I looked at the top eight list that did really well and they all had this type of engine where you're just crow batting and you're and you're zorking and you're staying away from the barrel because you don't want to give up the free kills to the Sableye. Um I played the Jern's Care which I thought was important and I played Eldegoss. I forgot this card even existed. I was like, hmm, the Elder Goss does, because I was finding a lot of success with with the way um, the Bennett was panning out. I was like, oh man, this VS Seeker thing is like super strong. Um, and I forgot this card even existed. So... When I uh, seen the Elder Goss, when I seen the Elder Goss, I was like, oh, like we have something here, you know? Like, this is higher HP Pokemon. It's like the Crobat don't have, doesn't have um, the one-shot potential from the, the Sableye. Um, it also shuffles itself back the, into the deck. I was like, I like this card a lot. So... I was like, I want to play that. Also, I felt the Luminion is really good. I felt the versatility of this list, um, being able to play from the deck with Luminion, 
and from the discard from Alagos was super strong. Um, this deck likes to you like to dump your hands very quickly in this deck. Turn like one and two, you're playing um you're you're V starring, dumping drawing seven, and you every deck's playing four research, so you're dumping you're you're trying to sub as quickly as possible. So you're dumping stuff all day. Um so being to being able to play from the discard, um some of these one off supporters like Chance Care or or Marnie um I think was was very good. So that's where I kinda sat with it. I was like, okay, I like that. Let me build towards it. So I'm gonna show you where I'm at. Uh, or where this is probably very close to the 60 I will play going into Utah. Um, obviously, there's a couple more days. There's a few adjustments that can happen. Um, but I'll show you where I'm at right now. I'll show you, kind of talk about how I got there as well. Because there was some online events where we're going to talk some matchups that become very difficult um, some development that happened that we see going forward and um, some decisions that as, as a player I kind of had to make. Um, so this is where we sit at R60. And it, it does look a lot, it's not a lot different, but there's a lot of one-offs. Um that a lot of these decks don't have. And it's very an interesting list. Um, we're playing a 4-4. We're playing the Oranguru. We're playing two Crobat. Just like that. That engine with the Zorak and the Crobats are very good. Um, we have to play the Halucha for the for the B-Max damage. Again, the Lagos felt very strong. We want to play from the deck, and we want to play from... We want to have access to the, the deck, and we want to have access to the discard pile. Dance is very good in the mirror. We'll talk about that some matchups later. But... Um, I felt Palpad was strong. Being able to... Seeing, seeing how fast I dish cards. Um, being able to play some supporters multiple times or having more access to them too multiple times felt strong so i was like palpa feels good the rod feels good um getting card pokemon back that you ditch um again you ditch stuff quickly in this deck um trekking shoes i feel are as a must just being able to dig those extra two cards every turn or or, or during certain turns can get you there um, the key to this, I really felt, is to have the most consistency, um, and not flutter on any consistency cards. That's why I'm playing 4-4 four, four here. I'm playing two of these. Um, this breeds consistency, this breeds consistency. We have four Ultra Ball, and we have four Quick Ball. I cut the, the count on the Evo, um, because we're only evolving into this, really. And we're playing four of them, 
and were drawing a lot. So the Evo just didn't seem like essential. I felt it was a cuttable card. Playing one is fine. It felt fine. Um, again, I didn't have to play a high count of boss because I have access to it in my deck and in my discard pile. And I can put one, put them back if I would like as well. So playing a lower count of boss was okay. Um, cause there's some matchups like this doesn't matter. There's some matches that, that it's very important. There's some matchups. This is really important. So like being able to get that back is great too. Um, Marnie's good. And I think the way I have the deck built playing a Roxanne is possible. I don't think a lot of decks, um, have the possibilities to play Roxanne's because they ditch cards and the Roxanne is only good late game and you can't really depend on having it. Well, I can because I have a pal pad and I have access to it from my discard pile. Um, so play, I get to play a Roxanne and we'll talk the Balo or Volo, um, in a second, but this card has come very, um, in handy. And then we have these two and the choice bin, um, escape rope and four DC. So uh, let me start by saying, I think the, I, I've had the debate a lot of, a lot with different energy types in the decks. Um, 4GC is just going to give you the most consistency. Um, adding any other type of ener energy is going to lower the consistency of the deck for non-essential. Like, it doesn't, like, it's not, there's no other, like, attacking with the Gengar, with that psychic energy, is not, you're going to, like, there's not an optimal way to do that. There's no point in attacking with a Gengar that makes it good. Because even against like a Cramorant or a Sableye or something, if you're attacking with a Gengar and trading one for one, you're that's not, it's not great. It's not great because they can one-shot you. So it's, it's not, they're not one-shotting this. So the idea is you want to attack with this as much as possible by playing any other energy types. Um, you're suffering from that. So playing the most consistently. So being able to dig as much as you can. Playing four trekking shoes. Playing two bats. Um, four, four here. And four, four research. With access to certain supporters at any time. Um, feels so much stronger. So let's kind of talk matchups. So the most important matchup that I was looking at going into this tournament um, after the Peoria was the Lost Box. Um, I felt I played the matchup many times. Um, benching anything small felt bad. Um, because they just trade with that. I felt like putting three, two Pokemon, two Zorks down, um, with damage counters, obviously, and a support Pokemon early, maybe a Crobat to dig a little more, was most optimal. 
um, forcing them to attack into the Zoarks and digging very fastly till you get to Sharon's Care or access to Sharon's Care by um, even Luminion. So you not overly um, digging, but getting yourself in a position where you can make a play with Sharon's Care um, by turn three, turn four is important. But at, but but getting there after that, you you can slow the game down. You know, slow the game down. And you're like, okay, I have the Sharon's Care in hand. I have the two Zorax, and I have a Crobat or or whatnot, um, some type of support Pokemon. And you know that the Cramorant's going to attack you, or you're going to get one, or you're going to get the the one twenty from the Sableye in early turns. So. The idea was they would attack me with that. I would share and care as many times as possible using Sharon's care, um, using Palpad to Sharon's care again, and then using Elder Goss to Sharon's care again if if needed. So, being having access to three Sharon's care in a game um, really made that match up very well. So, what I found was once you show that type of strategy. Um, they start attacking your Pokemon that you can't share and scare that they're on the bench. Your Crobats, your Luminions, your Aldegasses. Um And that's where Valo came through. Um, being able to Valo those off your bench after they put 120 on it um, takes a whole turn away from them. Um, throws their strategy out the window. Takes... Two more turns to get a knockout for them. Um, it became very essential. And and you can even ditch one of these if you need to. Um, you play a 4-4. Four, four, so ditching one of these and then having a Zorark V and another Turbo in hand and just putting it down is, is essentially just sharing care. So... Um, yeah, Valor just gives you that option to get rid of anything off your bench. Or get rid of uh, a whole turn for for them. Um, what I felt going into the later turns, because the early turns you're only going against that deck, you're going to hit Sableye, Cramorant, it's going to hit you over and over again. When you get to late turns, the Charizard comes. The Charizard does 250. Um, you already have damage counters on you. So the goal going into a late game turn with when you only have two prizes less, two prizes or one prize left, um, you want to establish a Zork in the active um, with one to zero damage counters on it, and you can do that by damage pump. Damage punch lets you move the damage off of it. So, by putting a Zorak with 260 or 270 HP in the active, Zorak cannot knock it out. Or, or Charizard can't knock it out. It only does 250. They don't play a belt. There's no point of them playing a belt. Um, 
they they manipulate damage counters um to set up those 250 knockouts you know so most decks don't have damage pump they're not able to manipulate that damage um so that they can't one shot you but you do so that's what you do setting that up and you find i found a lot of success with that once you get a Zork in the active with two prizes left with um, 260 or above HP, you kind of just win. You hit them with a you hit them with a Roxanne play in those late turns as well. It's really hard for them to make a Charizard um, again. So like even if they get the first one, go down to two prizes, um, hitting them with the Roxanne with the Zorak in the active at, at 260 or 270, it's kind of just game over um, because they have to recover their Charizard, which that's very tough. And they have one one flower, flower's gift to do that. They have to recover. So they usually recover with Claire, or I think it's Claire where they get the Pokemon and the energy back. Boom. Well, at that point, that doesn't win them a game because they need to boss. So at that point they need to rod, get energy back, get Charizard, and boss off of a off of a Roxanne to two and be able to look at two cards. It's if you lose there then at least you know you did everything to get there, but odds are that'll that'll set you up for the victory. Um so that's how that's how we're fighting off the lost box. Um, any V Pokemon, we're trading Vs. We're trading Vs. Um, we're much faster. If we go first, it's, you are, you want to flip heads. Going first in any V, so like Garatina, um, Palkia, stuff like that. You want to flipping heads significantly makes the matchup better. Getting the first V KO. Um, that's great. Against Mew, same thing. Um, that's what we're doing. Against... What is it? Uh, Kiram? Kiram's tough. Kiram's tough because you need everything. You need the Halucha. You need the Choice Belt. And you need a full bench... With all damage counters, um, to take a knockout. Missing that knockout is very crucial. They they one shot you no matter what. So, and you, you set your bench up for their pulky to one shot you as well. So attacking into one and not taking a KO is very devastating. So again, that's why we play as much consistency as possible. To get all these pieces against something like that. Um, again, uh, you wanna, you wanna, Roxana at ends of games and stuff like that. Those are the type of game plans we have. We just wanna outspeed, this deck outspeeds a lot of decks. You wanna, you wanna go first as often as possible. Um, it significantly makes things better. In a mirror match, a mirror match is um, 
I don't know how likely that is. I don't think a lot of people are 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 looking at this deck anymore. And we'll talk about that as well. Um what a mirror match mirror match becomes very um stalemate because of this. If you go first, you you, you don't have to put this in the active. If they put it, if they go, and then they go, and then they put this in the active. And the only way around it is rope boss. Because uh, obviously, and I mean, rope might get you there, but if they have like a ranger on it, they're just going to put a ranger up. And you don't want to give up, you don't want to take one prize for them to take two. So, if you don't get the rope boss play, you know, then you want to put your Diancy in that active and let them play greedy. Maybe they take the Diancy kill. Then you take the two prizer and then you out trade them throughout the game. That's the best option. Um, I play Roxanne. Play game could, could just win you the game. Um, yeah. You don't want to play greedy there. You want to wait it out for for the two prizer. Taking the one prizer is a death wish. Um, so the escape rope boss play is is the play to that. If they play the Empoleon, you kind of just shit luck. They have the advantage in in the mirror because the Empoleon turns this off. Turning off this, they can just boss you, and and if they go first. They can just boss you. Um, if you go first, then it doesn't matter. Um, odds are they probably won't even... I mean, you still gotta get around the Diancy. They, the, at that point, then they would have to put the Empoleon in the, the active boss and then be able to switch again, which this deck really doesn't have a lot of switching options. So it's not... It's like a double switch in one turn. It's not very likely. Um... But, yeah, that's kind of how the mirror goes. So let's talk about why a lot of people aren't playing this deck. This deck has almost three auto losses. And I say almost because one is Reggie. Um, and I f it, Reggie hits you for weakness, which is tough. Um, getting hit for weakness is always tough. You could play the Dunsparce. I've tried the Dunsparce. I felt like the Dunsparce um, didn't do enough. Um, they boss kill it, and then you kind of just lose anyways. Um, you can recover it. It's just a lot of digging, trying to do it over. You can get it down. I think your matchup becomes a lot better against Reggie if you do play the Dunsparce. Um, but I don't think it's, I still don't think it's favorable with the Dunsparce. Um, so that's kind of an auto loss. It's kind of a tough matchup no matter what you do. And then we have two that are 100% auto losses. And that is Duraludon, because Duraludon's ability can't be hit by Pokemon's special energy. We only play four DCs. 
like I said, I don't want to give up the consistency of playing multiple energies for no reason other than a Duraludon at this point. Um, which, at the end of the day, it's like... How many Duraludons are we going to see? I could, we might not ever see a Duraludon. Then we're playing these cards for no reason. Um, but it is an auto loss. And then the dreaded mill tank. We have no out to the mill tank. Um, we can attack with this, but we do 30, 30, not very good. Um, yeah. So not having an out to the mill tank again, we could play psychic energy and attack with this. They're not going to have a large bench. We're not going to do damage to them. And we're not getting through three mill tanks. We could play the Empoleon. Um, we're not getting through three mill tanks with Empoleon. Um, and we're not getting through a Blissey if we're committing just to the Empoleon. So it's just a bad matchup. There's, there's a lot. You, I'm, I'm sure you could make it a decent matchup. You could change this list up and make it a decent matchup and figure it out. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, it could suck. It's just an auto loss, which is horrible. I hate having auto losses. Um, it, it made me rethink this. Like I tried the water energy. I've tried the Empoleon and stuff, and I found it just isn't good enough. Without, like, over committing to a strategy to beat, like, a mill tank or to beat a Duraludon, playing four to five energies or, or something of that, of that method, um, it just makes every other matchup tougher, your deck a lot less consistent, and you kind of just have to eat these these um, auto losses and I talked to Drew about it and Drew's off the deck he doesn't he just doesn't think the deck's very good um, it's very and we both agreed we came to a conclusion that the deck could hit great matchups and go 9-0 or it could hit your auto losses and just lose um, so that's the conclusion at this point as of today, is that I will be playing this deck because I've committed so much time to it, trying to commit myself to something else and learn another deck. Um, as prepared as I am to play this deck, I don't think it's possible um, to go into a tournament uh, confidently, as confident I am going into a tournament with something like this with only three or four days left. Um, so... Someone like Drew or, or Rule or something like that they're they're oh, they're very good players. They can they can just switch off decks, have no problem, move on. I personally feel like I need to understand my deck very well to to compete at the highest level. So I don't want to do that. So uh, we're on a pray for good matchups um, deck. Basically, that's why we come to a conclusion. This is a pray for good matchups deck. Hopefully we avoid our auto losses. 
and we play well. And putting in the reps, you can see, um, I don't know, 5,000 if you look up my ladder. I guess we can kind of look up my ladder. Um, we're, we've, we're all the way up here already. We're still six days left. We've, we've played a lot of games, you know? So, um, the times is being put in, the games are being played, um, the adjustments are being made. We look at Limitless every day, you know? You go to Limitless every day and make small adjustments, but at this point, I feel like we kind of see where the meta's at, um, and what decks are played. There's, there's a few decks that are going to give us auto losses, there's a few decks that we have very great matchups against, um, such as Miu, such as, um, our Gudras, um, any, any two prizer or three prizer deck, we have really good matchups, even better matchups when we, uh, win the coin flip and go first. Um, so those are the kind of matchups we want to see. The one prize is we have a good strategy. We went over that. Um, those are winnable matchups. Lost Box is definitely a winnable matchup. The the the, the small text I've made to beat that that list, the time I put into that matchup, I have a strategy going into it. I understand my strategy, and we try to. We, there's not many ways to avoid that strategy. Um, you can play this deck very greedy and just lose, but. Um, yeah, these are kind of thoughts and like, I'm also like just reaching out to people and reaching out to players like Sosa and reaching out to players like Bennett, um, Raul, Xander, um, my locals, I'm, I'm reaching out to players. I'm talking Pokemon as much as I can. Um, what are we, what are we thinking? How, what, what do you guys think the meta is going on? I think these little things, um, are just good. It's good. To just be talking Pokemon with your friends, talking, getting ideas, looking at Limitless, even even at the small tournaments, just seeing what people are are playing. Um, my friend Josh Hatter, just uh, Josh Bangle, my bad. Um, he just made a top like there's only 20 people in the tournament, but he got second place with um, Kiram, Urshifu, Vmax. Rapid Strike. Um, being able to use the Kiram to power up the Urshifu in one turn and being able to max flow multiple times per, like, every turn. Very strong. Um, something to look at, you know? Would that crush us? That might just crush us. Both of those Pokemon have very high HP. Both of them need everything to knock out. Um, he could just kill the Halucha, and then we have issues. So some stuff like that, it's not, you don't want to start overthinking it, but it's just stuff to look at. Like, oh, how, how, how would I, what do I approach if I hit something like that? Cause you will hit stuff like that. I think we're going into a tournament that the diversity is going to be, we're going to see very, a lot of diverse decks. We're going to see, you might hit nine different decks. That's why like, again, I'm not too worried about the big auto losses that I have. I have like three auto losses, not super worried about them because I think that the meta is super diverse 
and I don't think I'll hit the odds of hitting those matchups are, are low multiple times you know could I see a draw out on yes happens I could see a blissey I could see that um or I could not see them at all I could see I could see myself seeing um a Zor, a couple Zorics, a couple couple of lost boxes some Giratinas some Gujas. like there's so many decks that could win the tournament any of those decks could win the tournament that's that's how this meta is kind of shifting to see that um all these decks are doing pretty well so I wouldn't be surprised if anything about anything winning unless it's just out of the blue um I think a lot of these decks are very good I think Gujas good I think Zorik's good. Um, Intel with Polkia. Polkia with Kiram. Um, Lost Box, Garatina. All these decks are, are decent. Reggie's. Reggie's could win. So there's like six to seven decks that could possibly win the tournament, and I don't think anyone would, would be surprised. If any of those decks won, which is really cool, um, which gives you the opportunity to play into auto losses, you know, don't tech out your deck, play, play more consistency. Um, and like, don't cut any consistency for any techs. Yes, I do play like the Valo and I play a Roxanne and stuff, but I don't cut my four research for it. I don't cut my four trekking shoes, my four quick ball, my four ultra ball. I don't cut any of this for that. Um, I, I still have my two bats. I have my four four Zorik. These are the most consistent cards in the deck. Um, the four pump, the four stadiums. Like I'm not cutting any like essential pieces to the deck for any type of tech. And I think going into this tournament, playing Zork, I think that's the best way to go about it. Um, teching for certain matchups is just going to be tough because, I, again, I think the meta is too diverse. And you're probably going to see seven to nine different decks in day one. So teching is just not the play at this point. Um, but yeah, it's kind of where I'm at. I hope that helped if you, if you stuck around and listened to this and like kind of got an idea of like where my head was at, the type of stuff I do going into tournaments. I'm always talking Pokemon. I'm, I'm hitting up, um, a lot of Pokemon friends, even if a lot of like top players will, like, even if you like DM them on, on Twitter or, or wherever social media, these guys love to talk Pokemon. So like, if you have questions, stuff, you can always hit them up. Um, you can write me. I'm down. I'm always down to talk Pokemon. Um, just getting more insight and talking to people about Pokemon helps you get better. So talking Pokemon's great. Looking at decks that did well, watching Limitless um, results every day, seeing what's doing well. Like Blissey came out of nowhere. Now we, now we see that's an auto loss. That's kind of that sucks. Like after Peoria, that wasn't really a thought. And then we look. Going, it's doing pretty well. People are going to play it. We have another auto loss. Kind of hurts our deck. Kind of sucks. Um, 
And I think a lot of people are jumping off the deck because of certain auto losses and inconsistencies and stuff like that with the deck. And that's a that's like a development over the last two weeks. Um, as a super like high competitive player, I think that's smarter. Jump off off the list, do this. Me and myself, I want to commit to it because I put so much time and effort into it. I know the deck in and out. I don't feel like I'm going to misplay as much playing this deck than I would trying to pick up a deck that probably is a better option, but I'm not going to play it as optimal. I want to go into this tournament playing as optimal as possible. So we're going to stick with this. Um, we might tweak some cards. Um, for right now, I think this is my solid 60. Um, feel free to steal it. Chest it out. Um, yeah. Tell me what you guys think. Leave a comment down below. Um, I really appreciate everybody listening, watching, all that cool stuff. Um, but yeah. For now, we're going to scoop it up. Oh, oh, oh.